Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to another In Conversation episode of the Iron Brew Podcast. You've got Brad Mel and Matt Ellis. And uh, this time we're talking to someone who, he wasn't actually with Scunthorpe all that long, but we've... Uh, He's got a, quite an interesting career and uh, there's a few stories to go along with him. So, Dave Mulligan, how are you doing? Yes, good, good. It's early, early yeah. morning over here. Well, not really early morning, but early for me. It's yeah, time difference, of course, is in New Zealand at the minute. So, uh, I think it's about is it 8 a.m. there with you now. Yeah, yeah, it's 8 a.m. I usually get up about 9 o'clock. <laughs> See, that's <laughs> commitment to the Iron Brew podcast, that is. Uh, right, so what we normally do is we normally, we predominantly focus on Scunthorpe, and we will do that in this one, but actually we're going to go through sort of the key moments in your career, and there's, we're going to start with New Zealand because that's, that's something that obviously plays significant parts in your career. We're going to come on to the World Cup and things like that a bit later on, but I want to start with the early section. So you, you played uh, for New Zealand throughout all the levels, under-17s, under-20s, under-23s, uh, and then obviously the first team as well. Going back to that under-17s then, how did that, that first sort of call come about and what was it like to represent your country at such a young age? Yeah, it, it's massive, you know. I think um, I'm one of the only few that's actually got on in every single age group, so uh, not many do it. So, um, but uh, yes, uh, to you know, to play for New Zealand um, in the country, uh, you know, there was a massive tournament here in '99. So uh, to be picked for the under 17s was massive. We had two years, or I think two or three years, actually leading up to that tournament, and they were all together. So every single um, time it was like a training camp, or you know, just getting to know people around New Zealand. So you know, we like 14, you know, sometimes 13, 14. Um, traveling all around New Zealand um, with you know, so many players, um, like a like a training camp. But um, to you know, represent New Zealand uh, at the under seventeens and in the first game, I um I managed to score as well um, against um, USA, and then I got sent off in the second half for um, a two footed challenge on Landon Donovan, and then um, his career just went skyrocketed after that. So. Um... We we understand that Kevin Fallon was um, in charge of the under seventeens at the time when you were there, and obviously the the father Rory, Rory Fallon, who who played for Scunthorpe briefly, um, quite a big yeah. name in New Zealand. I think that's right. So, what kind of impact did he have? You know, looking back on the early early sort of like stages of your career. Yeah, like I knew uh, I first met Kevin. I think when I was about ten or eleven, um, just in training and I'm like in sort of centers of of excellence, where the sort of the best of the best players come together. And um, yeah, so I, I sort of knew him at, at 10 and I'm obviously a new Rory as well. And uh, for the first couple of years, um, we were sort of playing against each other. And then he moved regions, came up to Auckland. Um, and I think I, I remember one game, I think it was about 13. I, um, I flew in uh, with, a, with a tackle, hit, hit this kid and uh, he was down for a while. And Kevin uh, Fallon in his Yorkshire, broad Yorkshire Rotherham accent. Whereas I love that son. So um, that was my first sort of introduction with Kevin Fallon. Um, and then every every so on after that, you know, I was doing well. He he always had the idea of sending Rory over to the UK. And uh, he wanted to send someone else over as well. And so um, I happened to be that, that, that person. Me and Rory at uh, 16 um, went over to Barnsley together. But um, Kevin Fallon in New Zealand, his, uh, everyone knows him. He was part of the 1982 um, World Cup. He was the assistant coach that went to Spain and um, he coached New Zealand throughout age groups as well. So um, he's a pretty big figure um, still now. Uh, you mentioned your goals that you scored in that under-17 championship. Uh, you get two, don't you? Is it USA and Poland? Do you want to just talk us and, through those a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the USA one, I think it was... Um, the USA was a header. So uh, in the first half, it, it was raining. Uh, the ball is coming from from the side, and I've just got I'm the smallest on the pitch, but somehow uh, I got across the, um, the the front of the defender, and it was I think it was a diving header. I'm not too sure. And then as I was celebrating, I think I did about five celebrations, in you know, in just that moment, uh, it, was, it was pretty crazy. And uh, it's you know, I, I've still got pictures 
you know, today and I look back at the crazy moment. And then the, um, and then it got stepped off and I came from hero to villain. So uh, everyone, you know, who's uh, slating me afterwards. Um, next game, I, <clears throat> I missed against um, Uruguay. And then the last game against Poland. So Poland were the uh, European champions. Um, I think they beat England. And at that time, Rory Fallon chose to uh, represent England instead of New Zealand. And um, so Poland knocked England out. Poland came to the World Cup. And, uh, yeah, that last game, I think I scored one. It was the edge, uh, the ball's cut back, edge, edge of the box. Um, and I've uh, rifled it in the, in the bottom corner. And, uh, yeah, we went on to win that 2-1. So that was, uh, that was a pretty big moment for New Zealand. Um, it was the first time any uh, age group or um, had actually won a game at the FIFA tournament. So, um, yeah, that, that, that was a pretty huge moment in New Zealand football. Uh, you know, jumping forward slightly a little bit to 2004, and um, while we're on, on the international topic, um, you know, unfortunately you didn't qualify, uh, but you represented the Oceania Football Confederation uh, for qualification in the 2004 Olympic Games in Athens. So, what is what is the OFC, and and what was the experience like there? Yeah, the OFC is the Oceania Football um, Confederation. It's basically our version of you know, like Euros, uh, Copa America. So it's the it's our, our, or the Asia Cup as well. So sort of our version of that. Um, it, it used to um, include Australia, but Australia has gone to Asia. So now it's just New Zealand and we play against the uh, Pacific Islands. So we play against um, Vanuatu, Tahiti, New Caledonia. So every now and again, it's a nice little holiday. You know, you go to these uh, exotic places. Um, you're there for a couple of weeks through the tournament it's, it's sort of slightly bit different now it's um it's like a sort of a, a league where you go home and away um but back then it was, it was a tournament so i think it was um there was there was one on vanuatu um uh, new caledonia as well so you get to go to these places um you're there for about three weeks um and in the off time you go to the beach as well so it's pretty crazy but it's a lead up to go uh, to qualify um for the world cup um or confederation cup as well so in 2000, you begin club football. You've already mentioned that you come across England with Rory Fallon. Uh, this is in 2000. This is with Barnsley. And so yeah. was the move, is the move to England something that's, I, I guess, something that's prized in New Zealand? Is it something that's expected? Um, how did it initially come about? Yeah, it's, it, it is it's very hard for um, Kiwis or New Zealanders to go over there. Uh, firstly, you've got to have a, a European passport. Um, or English passport. Um, obviously, now with that, that's sort of changed now. But um, the idea, you know, that a lot of players do want to go over there. Um, now the route is through either Australia or through um, USA uh, with with the college system. But um, yeah, it came about. Um, Roy was was going over. I wanted to send an, another player. I happened to go over. Um, me and Roy did did really well. Um, and then the following year, two other Kiwis came over as well. And then um, while we were there, I think we all, at one stage, we had six or seven Kiwis. So Barnsley sort of became the uh, the hub for uh, for New Zealanders to go over. And you can imagine, you know, we're all together uh, 24-7. Um, the things that we used to get up to was, uh, and at the time, we had... Um, Jackass, I come. In, I don't know if you know. You remember the show on MTV? So, basically, everything that um, went on in Jackass, we tried to do. You know, so we had like you know six or seven Kiwis <laughs> trying to out. You know, just yeah, just ridiculous, stupid things. You know, but um, it, it was good times. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was mad times as well. So uh, you know, while you're at, at Barnsley, you're working under Steve Parkin, and of course, um, you know he he was at Scunthorpe for a period. And um, what was it like to work under him? Yeah, I, I got on really well with Steve. Yeah, um, I think we had I can't remember who the manager. Uh, maybe Steve um, Nigel Spackman left. He was he, he was a he was a weirdo. He left, um, and then I think Glenn Hodges, um, who is now at at Wimbledon, he put me in there for I think two or three games, and then um, Steve Parkin came in and four four days as well. So I, I just loved their their enthusiast. You know, they, they were so enthusiastic about it. Um, but I got on really well with Steve, and I think um, under him, I played um, you know most of all, all my games. Yeah, I, I enjoyed um, that time under him. Yeah, it's just at the time that the club was going through sort of a, a transition. 
um, there was a lot of players on a lot of money, so they had to sort of balance the books. So moving from Barnsley, you go to Doncaster, and before you sign that two-year deal that you get there, you're on a match-to-match deal. Now, we've, we've not actually spoken to anybody on this series yet that's done match-to-match before. What's that like psychologically as a player? It, you know what? It's, it's not bad. It, you know, I was on my toes every single week. Um, you know, it was, you know, come to training, I had to do my best. You know, in the games, had to do my best as well. You know, sometimes when players are on, you know, three, four, you know, five-year deals, it's obviously it's it's amazing. But sometimes they get a bit relaxed. And um, for me, I think I needed that sort of kick up the ass to because um, I went. I first went there on trial. I went from from Barnsley through to another clubs, um, one including Sheffield United as well. And then from Sheffield United, I went to Doncaster. So. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was. It was. It was. I, I didn't really. It didn't really bother me. Um, I knew that at the time um, that I was. I was doing all right and in training and in, in games. Um, so yeah, it was only sort of a matter of time until um, you know a, a, a normal contract was was offered. But going sort of back to, to when I was at Barnsley, um, I think I played something about nearly ninety games. I was sort of regular first team had. Had dropped um, down from you know um, squad number thirty. Had my number seven, so which is perfect. And and uh, one week I'm playing against QPR at Loftus Road, playing right wing. Roy Fallon's up up top. And then uh, the following week um, we lost that game. Following week I'm not I'm, I'm not on the bench. I'm in the stands. The following week after that I'm in the stands. So I knock on the door, the Barnsley coach, and I said, um, "Listen, New Zealand's got a game. I haven't played in two weeks." Um, is it all right if I go away with New Zealand, get some match uh, match game, and then come back, um, and you know I'm I'm refreshed again? And he said, "Yeah, you can go, you can go away, you can go away and stay away, and don't come back." So uh, that was pretty ruthless, you know. Um, we were at the time, I think, in administration at Barnsley, but I had a three-year contract sort of basically there waiting for me until we come we we came out of con- um, administration. So basically, if I would have knocked on that door, then uh, yeah, things might have changed. Might have been, <laughs> which, is, which is crazy. But that's football, you know. You know, one minute you, you you're playing, you're next, and then next minute the coaches listen, go away, stay away. But yeah, then and so after that, um, yeah, I went to Sheffield United for for a couple of months. I just needed to you know play at, at sort of or train at a higher standard, and then I dropped down to Doncaster, and uh, so that paid off. So yeah, it was uh, it was good. So um, a little bit more on your time at Doncaster then. Tim sent a question and he asks, uh, what was it like mentally to be placed on the transfer list at Doncaster in 2004 um, to then become a regular starter for them? Yeah, um, it's, it's not always always nice. I think, you know, as a young player um, that, that I was, I was, you know, I, I was living on, on my own. Uh, my parents uh, in New Zealand, my brother in, in Liverpool as well. So as young people sort of do, they just go out. And um, that's what sort of, I was I was doing a bit too much, um, sort of you know enjoying myself or living living like a like a rock star. But um, but you're playing football, um, so I think that the lifestyle that I was I was leading wasn't ideal. And again, that just gave me um, you know that the kick up the ass that you know listen this job can just get cut straight away. So you got to pull your head in. So um, I think for for a couple of couple of months or a couple of weeks, um, you know I was you know I was thinking my going to go somewhere else or, or or am I going to stay and if I stay I have to back up my ideas um, so that was sort of <clears throat> the, the, the thinking and um, yeah got back into the team and um, I think that year um, I had probably one of the, the, the best seasons and then in 2006 you were offered a deal by Doncaster uh, and I think you you failed to meet terms and then of course you signed for Scunthorpe shortly after that we're going to come on to that in a second of course uh, did you have an idea at that point, though, going into that season, that you weren't going to be staying at Doncaster? Yeah, it was pretty crazy because I think that year I won um, like a Player of the Year award. I think they were the Way Player of the Year. So, and um, and I was scoring goals, I was creating goals as well. So, um, they offered a deal, but um, it was it was a one year deal. That's that's, and I was like, well, um, Scum thought we were offering two, and there were and. And the money was was ideal as well. And and when I when I met up with Brian Laws, um, it was just the, the kind of character 
um, that, that I, I wanted to work for. And, you know, he was mentioning the, the players that he's bringing in and, and the team he's putting together. So that sold that as well. Um, it's never easy going from one club to the other. Ideally, I probably would have stayed at Doncaster if they offered two years because I was sort of safe in, in that environment. Um, I, I knew the club. I'd been there, you know, two, or two and a half years um, prior. So everything was all safe with me. Um, but, yeah, when I spoke to Brian and, and he said, listen, we've got these players coming in. This is what we want to do. Um, as I thought, I was like, okay, right, and it's a it's a new chapter, it's a new challenge, um, and it was it was pretty crazy meeting Brian Laws at the petrol station, um, which the the service station in between Doncaster and Scunthorpe. But um, from what I heard, he he uh, he does that with a lot of players. He, he meets them in service stations, which is pretty crazy. But um, I've I've never you know met met a manager at a service station. Um, it's it's usually, <laughs> it's usually you come down to the club or on the phone or um, at a hotel. But um, me and Brian, um, I was with my mate um, Shane Fox at that time and, and we were just, um, it was just, you know, little topics of, listen, just be honest with, um, if I'm not playing well, just bring me in, ask me, you know, tell me you need to do this, you need to do that, what I need to work on. And that was something that at Doncaster wasn't uh, under Dave Penny. Uh, wasn't really tra- transparent. Uh, There's no really, um, listen, you need to, you're doing well or, you know, you need to improve. So there's never that case. Um, so with, with Brian, um, straight away, I said, listen, if, if I'm going to come to that club, I just want you to be honest with me. If I'm doing well or not not doing well, just tell me. What, what was that like, that meeting it in a service station? <laughs> did it did it put you off a little bit? Do you think I'm going to get kidnapped here? <laughs> No, no, no. Like, I'm, I'm, I've, I've used that service station all the time, you know, because uh, yeah, I used to go through there. But, yeah, it was just weird. Um, just ran, random people just like, you know, because it's so open. And just, you know, random people just going and get Burger King or, you know, just looking at us like, aren't you Brian Laws? And, or, <laughs> you know, so lucky. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it, it was kind of weird. It was just so open. It wasn't closed. It wasn't in a separate room. It was just there, like, just three guys having a chat. Um, which is uh, yeah, about yeah, which is um, kind of weird. If, if anyone, you know, someone could have seen us, um, I think he would have got in trouble because I was still under contract. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is yeah, which is mad because it was only I think it was only it's only fifteen minutes out of Doncaster. But I, I think he does that um, with, with a lot of well, he, or he, he did that with a lot of players. Yeah, it was definitely a new one, a strange one. But um, yeah, we come out of that meeting. It was, it was kind of funny. Obviously, you know, Lozzi was a key figure in bringing you to the club. Um, what was it ultimately then that made you want to sign for, for Scunthorpe? Yeah, it was just, you know, it was speaking about how young the group is. The group was, it was a young, young group. Uh, and he was saying about um, Billy Sharp and, and Keo. And, um, you know, I sort of heard about them the, the previous year. Um, Marcus Williams as well, who was um, an up and I knew him when I was in Doncaster as well. So had sort of had that relationship with him as well. Um, Matt Sparrow as well. So and it was a young group um, and he just, and this and Cleveland Taylor as well. And he just wanted me to bring me into that environment. And he said, you know, I'll add um, a, a lot of qualities. Uh, I can play a lot of different positions. And so, um, and he was also wanting someone um, who can take some, some corners and free kicks as well. So that was, that, that was ideal too. Yeah, he did. He did have a few uh, quotes actually at the time, and that's it. Just sort of confirms what you were saying there. He said, "Laws, this is." He said, "I want to try and bring in better players and make us a stronger team to help us continue our progression." And then on yourself, he said, "He's very versatile. There are a number of clubs trying to sign him." Uh, so, and as you've just alluded to there, it, it seems like you joined the club where there are quite a lot of changes going on with the group, with the team. Uh, so, what was the atmosphere like around the club at the start of that season? Yeah, it was it was buzzing. When new players come in, you sort of get excited. Um, and I knew that, you know, there was a couple of other players that came in as well. And you get all excited, like, where's this club going to go? You know, because you don't join a club or, you, you know, and, and wanting to be in the table. You want to be challenged and, um, and, and getting promoted. And that's the first that's the first aim. And that was Brian Brian's, um, you know, that's what he wanted from the group as well. Because we had a, a young group. We had some experienced players in there as well. So Crosby and, and Barraclough and, even uh, Jim Goodwin, um, he's, he's not that old, but he looks old. Um, okay. But um, you know, he, and he was a great leader as well in in, in that midfield. So there, there was all really good qualities um, everywhere, and he wanted competition as well. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I like this. I like this sort of his, his style. The only the only times that I didn't like it, um, in training, it was a bit repetitive. Um, it's, uh, a lot of the time, it's just five a side, um, you know, which I sort of wasn't used to. You know, I wanted, you know, how are we going to play um, um, attacking defensively um, or in the transition? But it was very much five a side. But um, you know. Everyone else seemed to enjoy it, um, and, and and the play and you know the team got results. Um, it was just it was kind of different where you you, you turn up to the park, um, you put your, your training kit on, and then you got to get back in your car to go to the training pitch. So I was um, yeah the previous two clubs where I was at Barnsley and Doncaster, you turn up to the to the ground, and your training pitch is right there. So when I turned up. And um, we had to get changed. You know, I was like, why are we getting changed for? Like, why are we getting our car keys? Why aren't we training here? And they were like, no, no, we've got to get in the car to like drive five minutes down the road um, <laughs> to train with. So, so I was like, okay, right. I'm going to have to get used to that. And then, uh, yeah, but it was it, it, the training pitch was fine. We had an in, indoor um, complex as well. So, yeah, it was ideal. So you've just mentioned the the training there. Then with it being five a side, how did that compare to your your training at, at maybe Doncaster and and Barnsley before that as well? Yeah, like Barnsley had an unbelievable setup. Um, you know that they, they were they just dropped down from the premierships so, and they were trying to rebuild and go back up. But also their sort of model was let's get players in and then let's try and sell them. So what they did um, with the money that they did sell um, through Ashley, um, Ashley Ward and Craig Hignan. They built a massive indoor complex, upgraded all the pitches. So they had about four or five pitches at AstroTurf as well. Um, so, and then we went to Doncaster there. I think they had um, three pitches. And then as I was leaving, they were having the um, Astro, Astro um, Turf as well. And then as I left, they had the stadium with all the, the training pitches now. So, which, but um, yeah, it was slightly a bit different where, you know, you have to, you know, you go down to the ground, um, you, you know, you get your training kit, you get your car, you you, you go on down. I remember one, um, what well, one time? I think it was, I was there for about a year. Um, uh, another New Zealand player, Chris James, came on trial. Uh, with as I asked, it was when Nigel Atkins was was uh, was taking charge. Um, so he came on from Fulham. He put his training kit on, got his boots. We jumped in the car, boom, straight to the training pitch. And uh, I think it was indoor. And so he's got indoor. He's putting his boots on. And he's only just gone and grabbed two left lift boots. And I uh, and I just looked at him and he started laughing. And at, at one point I was like, mate, you're going to have to, you're going to have to use your right foot. You know, you're going to have to train with it. And so we did. He, he put it on and he's like, no, nah, I can't. I can't. So uh, lucky enough, I think it was Josh, Josh Lillis, um, drove him back. Got him his right boot and then came back. So for for him as a trialist, it wasn't wasn't ideal. Uh, wasn't really good, you know. All the lads were laughing. They didn't even know him. They, they were laughing as well. But if we were training at the training, you know, if we, if we were um, training right next to the stadium, it would have been fine. He put you know two minutes, but um, I think it was like a ten minute or fifteen minute trip. So um, halfway into the training session, he's turning, he's rocking up on trial late. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that was funny. I always bring him up on that. Um, you know, you, you scored two goals for Scunthorpe in the end. Can you, can you remember him? Can you talk us through him a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, both free kicks. I used to love taking free kicks. I, I, I still do. I still, still take them now. But it was when, um, yeah, against Lincoln, um, I think it was over the wall. It, I, I think I, I always go over the wall, apart from the Gillingham one, where I went uh, across the keeper. But yeah, that that Lincoln one was was all right. But I think that Lincoln, uh, the Gillingham one, was probably the best, um, one of the best ones I've I've hit. Going across the keeper is always hard. Um, the keeper always thinks you're going over the wall, especially in, where, where I hit it. So for that one to go in, that was pretty cool. And um, and I've got a massive big um, canvas. I think it's like um, two meters by one and a half of um, that goal I scored in Cleveland and Jim Goodwin are running after me. I think, um, I think we had it at the, um, the awards one night and um, every single player had a canvas. So I could take, I, I could take that home. So which is pretty cool. But yeah, um, taking free kicks. I think I was, I was about 18 and um, I think my brother um, lives in, uh, lives in UK um, and Liverpool he used to come watch me all the time. And he was like, Molly, like, why don't you add something new to your game? And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, 
you know, you see all these these players now that they're, they're taking free kicks, they're taking corners. Why don't you start to do that? So I did. I, at 18, I just started practicing after training and just trying to get that um, that that technique uh, right. And um, and then when I moved to Doncaster, I was eventually you know up to that standard where I could take it. And same with scum top as well. And so managed to score um, a, a couple of goals for it. But um, yeah, I just started yeah at 18 every single day after training. Just um, practicing, yeah, yeah, and obviously, as as Matt and yourself said, there the the free kicks were the two goals that you scored uh, for us. Uh, obviously, as you've just mentioned, they're clearly part of your game. But when you're at Scunthorpe, was it a given that you'd be taking them, or how did it actually come about that you ended up in the position to take those free kicks at Lincoln and Gillingham? Yeah, um, it was. No, I think there was me and maybe uh, Kevin Hurst. I think at the time that could really take a free kick. Because we were the only ones that were would be practicing that, so it really comes down to who's who's been practicing that, and then on that day who's up for it. But um, I think I was a lead um, one taking the corners as well, um, and then I was a lead taking the, the free kicks as well. So, um, like I say, I, you know, I try to well, always add that um, into my game. You know, if a coach is going to pick someone, is he going to pick someone who can add that um, within the team as well? So yeah, majority of the time. It was me taking free kicks. Andy Keo always thought he could take one, um, but I don't think he, he eventually got on it. He's more um, penalties. But um, yeah, you know that the team is back then. Um, it was you know, probably one of the best teams I've been involved in. Not just only um, playing wise, but there were some real good characters in that team. Some funny characters. I remember Neil McKenzie. He's uh, he's up there for one of the the, the craziest, funniest guys I, I've ever been around but um yeah i think um we'll probably get on later but there, yeah, there's, a, there's a story i don't know if cleveland or anyone's told it um we we were doing a parade through scunthorpe we were on the top bus and um i think i'm recording it at the time like everyone else is recording um, you know what's going on and then um, i just looked down on a seat near mckenzie in a, um, a police officer's hat um, police officer's jacket and he's running us um, next to the bus telling everyone to get out the way and I was just like is this really happening like what the hell like but um yeah and he, then he just sprinted past the bus as well so um but everyone's in stitches but um yeah he's he was he was certainly um certainly character and there's, there's, you come across a lot of characters in in, uh, in, in, in football but uh yeah he's definitely one of them We'll, we'll de- I'm sure we'll definitely discuss a few more of those stories a little bit later on. Uh, so, um, you know, what are your thoughts about Laws leaving and, and, and kind of what was the change like as Atkins came into the managerial role? Yeah, it was, it was, um, it was kind of weird. I, I got on with Brian and, and um, you know, like at times if I was doing all right, he would say to me, listen, Molly, you're doing all right. And I remember one time he pulled me in office and goes, listen, you, you need to improve. You need to be better You need, in training and in games. And um, so it really, it was really good. Had that honesty, and so you know, when I was when you join a new club, you 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 know, it takes a long time to settle in, even if it's just down the road, uh, just to settle in within the group, you know, because the the one one thing that your players do want to do is they do want to impress um, the, their peers, and so uh, at times I think I was I was trying too hard for that, um, and that maybe sometimes in games um, that that showed, and he he would pull me aside and. Just, you know, just relax. Um, it's fine. So the communication with Brian Laws was really good. Um, and I think that showed, you know, throughout the team and, and obviously going up, um, you know, he left. I think we were in, in first position um, uh, as well. So he had, you know, big a- a- ambitions as well. And he came and said, listen, guys, um, Chef, and Chef Wednesday have, have offered me um, a, a deal. Uh, a contract and it's just like a, a, a player you know they always want to climb high and um, I want to thank you for my time so he was honest with the players before he left and I heard that um, Nige had been involved with Scunthorpe previously um, through coaching as well um, so if the sort of dynamics sort of changed I, I felt with with, with Nige um, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet um, I just I don't think he sort of um, just sort of yeah sort of he liked me as a player, and um, he had other options, you know, opportunities to to play others. Or, but yeah, I just don't think I was his his type of player. But again, he was honest 
um, there was one time I went away with New Zealand um, and he, he called me in the office and he said, listen, I'm going to call your manager, um, Ricky Herbert. Um, you can stay here. Don't say nothing. And he, and he goes, and he said, first of all, I want you to stay. Um, you're playing, you've been playing really well. You've been scoring a set of goals. So I, I, I want you to stay. Um, but because we were in League One, if a, if, when there's an international break, um, yeah, either if you're in League One, either you go or if you stay, that country can um, basically um, not allow you to play. So there's a rule, I think. In the Championship, Premiership, obviously they stop. But in League One, you keep on playing. So if I went away from New Zealand, I would have missed the game. And if I would have stayed, um, I would have missed the game as well. So I was in a you know, no-win situation. And um, so, yeah, it, that really stuffed things up because after that, I never played. So which is, which is pretty crazy. Uh, you sort of implied about the character of the, between the two there, but what about their style, I guess, in training perhaps? What was the difference that you found between Laws and Adkins in that, in that crossover period? It was, it was, it was sort of with, with Nigel, didn't really have to change anything because the, the group was already doing well anyway. It was just try keep keep it as it was going. Um, it was not until sort of the, the following year that he did change things. But he was just like, you know, let's just keep the, the, the flow going. We're doing really well. Keep the morale high. Uh, you know, and so that, that's all really had, he had to do because from January through to, um, you know, April, May, um, you know, we were from January, we're top anyway. So to, to muck that up, then, you know, you would have to do something stupid. So he just kept that flow. Um, and he was, just, he was he's soft, softly spoken, but, you know, at times he could show that side. Um, and he then he brought in Crosby as a sort of number two, I think. Um, yeah, little things sort of changed um, just in and around, like my feelings um, of, of of who's playing, um, because it's sometimes it were not saying clicks, but there was uh, you know there, there, there was some players who, who were more matey than others, I guess, but um, don't have that played a part. But hey. So we uh, we think there's a little bit of a story here. So um, can you tell us what happened between you and uh, you and Marcus before the the Bristol City game um, that was live on Sky? Um, we, we think there's something in there. Can, can you shine a light on that? Yeah, 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 hundred. Yeah. So I I never used to drive. Um, I yeah I, I never drove. I lived in Doncaster. Marcus lived in Doncaster, but he sort of lived on on the other side. So he would have to come through where I lived. I lived at Lakeside, and then would hop on the motorway, and then go straight through so um yeah one night um i think marcus uh was he was i don't know where he was out and about i was out and about but not in the city i was just uh, in town sorry just uh, locally with, with friends um i think it was two or three four days before a game anyway so we're totally fine anyway next day marcus has picked me up like he, he has done every he, he had done for months prior um but we were a bit late he woke up slightly bit late i was on time um so yeah and anyway so we got to the training ground uh the the the, the uh the, the stadium we got our gear we rushed to the training ground and there's i think it was it was the, i can't remember. life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What month it was, but um, it was certainly very icy. And uh, Marcus has sort of gone too quick, turned the, the corner or in the driveway, and these, um, and we just end up skidding. 
for it must have been about 20, 30 meters. I thought they, I thought that he had a mini. I thought the mini was just going to roll over, you know. And right next to it was a ditch, and I'm like, so from like, oh my god, what is happening here? So as we, he's pulled in, he took the corner too too quick, and um, we're basically half the car has gone into the ditch, and um, I don't even know how to get out of there. So um, man, we managed to get out. The players managed to. Because they were in in the um, in the indoor, they all heard you know, what happened. They had the car and then like a big massive bang. It, they've come over. Um, they've helped us get the car up, and then we've gone and then we've trained. And then um, so Nigel just pulled myself in separately, me and Marcus, and just said, "Listen, what happened?" I said, "Well, late, late for training, and Marcus has took the corner too too long, and that's happened." And um, we didn't breach no rules or anything. Uh, it's just, yeah, we, we were late to train him. But um, and I think Marcus had said that he had, he had been doing some, some things last night, So, well, which I'm not too sure. But um, and then he said, listen, I'm going to stand you down from the, from the Bristol. But in fact, we didn't even know that. Um, we just, he just said, oh, you're not, you're not picked for this game. And then, you know, we found out that he basically said that we breached rules and we didn't so which is uh <clears throat> again i we didn't even get fined no nothing so it could have been a bit honest there but then again you know at what i'm saying previously i think we me and marcus were playing in the games before, prior to that and we were doing all right um so yeah for him to just turn around and say listen i'm not playing i'm gonna play someone else it was okay right but um, yeah, I don't think that was well deserved. As you know, we we're only I think about fifteen minutes late. Yeah, I think yeah. the official line at the time was uh, a breach of club discipline. I think that's yeah. what was said. Was that is that what yeah. was sort of relayed to you? No, no, because we didn't even get fined for that. So you know, if 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 the, uh, breach, you know, there's a discipline side. That's you know, you, you get fined. Um, but yeah, just late to training, uh, which a lot of players were um, around that time as well. Um, you know, where, wherever they lived, if it was icy or snowy, yeah. So um, yeah, it was just unfortunate that I um, that you know I, I was travelling with Marcus, and um, yeah, it was yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. If if I did something wrong, Marcus would get tarnished, tarnished, and and vice versa. So we yeah, we we were like, okay, let's stay away from each other now. <laughs> do you think your relationship with Nigel Akin suffered after that incident? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I don't think it was really sort of, um, it was ideal when um, when Brian left. It wasn't, you know, um, I never really got on with him because I never went in the physio room. So I never really spoke to him that, that much. So I didn't really, and because I know he was there, obviously he's, he was there for, for a number of years as some other players were as well. So they all had the relationship with him. And so I was pretty new. And I didn't really, even when he took over, I didn't really know him. So, because I was never really in the in the physio room. All I saw him, all I knew him was as a physio. But obviously, some of the other players knew him as a coach as well. Um, so, yeah, so I think that sort of, that, that played a part where I didn't really, I was never in there. So I, I never really had a, 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 had a conversation with him. And then I suppose... I suppose this follows on from that, really. But you, you mentioned uh, at your other clubs uh, that the international career could, you know, got in the way a little bit uh, for some yeah. managers. And I think this was probably the case with Nigel as well. Um, did you get that sense? Were your New Zealand commitments a, a problem there? Because I think we, we've got a we've got a stat actually from our it's from our club historian uh, John Staff and. And he's, he wrote in one of his history books that uh, when you continued your international career, you became Scunthorpe's first full international in 107 years of history. You know, so it's 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 a big deal, you know, for the club uh, to have to have an international player like that. But do you think it was not something looked on as a positive? That's pretty uh, pretty amazing. That mm. 107 years in the history, but yeah, it was um, at times it it was probably uh, against me. Especially if you know I had to go away and the team was still playing, um, I guess I, I remember even Nigel in, in that conversation. You know, I was playing. Um, I think yeah, January all the way through to March, and it was just before my birthday. Um, the, 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 in fact, the trip was on my birthday. I was I was away, 
and he said to me, he goes, listen, Molly, you're in the team. You're playing well. If you, if you go, you're going to miss this game. We're going to win. I'm going to continue to play that same team next week. And if they win, it stays the same. And he kept, so he was honest. And I said, listen, I, I, I really don't want to go. And um, he goes, but if you stay, then they can act on, on the FIFA rules that you can't play anyway. So I was, you know, it was, it was frustrating for me that, you know, that in, in those uh, sort of leagues, in League 1 and League 2, they don't stop, um, you know, because if it does happen in the future to some other players, right, regardless if it's New Zealand or, or whatever, um, you know, that, that could hinder that player um, represent a country. Um, or even like my instance, I never played for Scum Top again because um, sort of that happened. But um, yeah, it was just, you know, was, and, and that trip was probably the worst trip in my uh, life of, for playing for New Zealand as well. Um, I think five or six players after that trip retired just because it was unorganized. Um, we played Venezuela, and um, usually when you play, a, you know, a, a country in, in their own country, they sought out um, travel and accommodation and everything. So basically, after that game, there was no, they didn't have um, a plane sorted um, for all the players. So we had half the players in Europe, half the players back in Australia. And so we were at a um, sort of all, we, we had to have two groups split up. So one group going to Europe, we went to one place, like a chartered flight, and we were waiting there, I swear, 18 hours for, for, to get on a plane. So every plane that landed, it was like a private plane. <clears throat> every plane that landed was like, is this our plane? Is this our plane? 18 hours. And in Venezuela, it was, it was roasting. It was so hot. There was no shade. So no, we can go anywhere. So we managed to get this flight from Venezuela to Panama. And we got told that someone was going to meet us in Panama. So imagine, you know, this is like that midnight. You know, we're, we're arriving, I think, uh, at two or three o'clock in the morning in Panama. We walk through. No one's there. And we're like, what the hell? We're in this place. No one speaks English. We, like, we've got no person from New Zealand football here. We should all the players. So we turn up. No one's there meet us. So we had to go book ourselves into a hotel. So we, we, we did all that. Um, and then eventually we got a flight out the next day to New York. <laughs> from New York... We get on to go to to Europe uh, to, to Manchester. Two hours in the flight, the 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 the, the um the air hostess or the or the pilot said, "Listen, guys, we're going to have to turn around. Um, we need to something's happened to the plane, so like we need to refuel or something." So we we're like, "Oh my god, we're going to be even late, you know, even later to get back to to Manchester or, or to the UK." Eventually, ten hours later, we get back on the plane again, flying across the country. So. That whole trip, it should have been, I think, um, a week. I think it, was, it ended up being like 10 days or, or 12 days. So I think I, I, I got back on a Friday. The game was on, on a Saturday. So I know enough to miss two games. So um, I think five people retired because of, of that trip. But, yeah, <laughs> it's insane. Of course, you'd already experienced promotion in your career, but um, you know, ultimately, you know, we we get promoted this season. What was this one like? Um, considering you were frozen out of the team in the same season, was it maybe not quite the experience you were expecting, or was it a little bit difficult? Yeah, it was. It was. You know, it's always hard if you know um, the team's doing really well. You're and you're up either in on the bench or in the stands, um, and you know, it's hard to celebrate. It's hard to celebrate. <clears throat> you know, it's hard to sort of get in, in that mind frame that, you know, you've played a part. I think I played um, you know, 30, 35 games, I think, um, or, or, or I think it was or close to 40. I'm not too sure. So I played majority of, of, of that season. Um, but still, you know, you always want to be there round about at the end because um, that's when it really sinks in that, you know, you know, we just did something pretty cool here. Um, you know, uh, so it's, it was kind of hard to get in that mind frame of, you know, of, of help the team, help the club get to, to, to where they are. But, um, yes, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Some players go, you know, the whole football career not winning anything. Um, and I was fortunate, you know, being two different teams. I've had two promotions and two relegations. <laughs> I've experienced, you know, um, the ups and downs. But, um, yeah, it's, um, that group, like I say, it, 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 was, a, it was a good group. 
um, on the pitch um, and the competition was, you know, um, for every single pos- uh, position. Yeah, and obviously you're still under contract. I think you have another year on your contract uh, going into that championship season. Um, but you, you leave on loan, you go on loan to Grimsby and I think it's in November of the 2007. Um, obviously, you've, you've sort of alluded that things haven't really gone to plan with Scunthorpe. So uh, what I actually had here was, was it disappointing for you to go given that you've helped, given got Scunthorpe to the championship? But I suppose, how, how were you actually approaching that loan move? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think around that period, I was just, you know, you, you get to a position where you, you think, geez, I'm, I'm just getting over football now. I'm just, you know, it's every single day I'm, tra- I'm turning up and training. I'm not getting selected. No one's saying nothing. And um, so you get to that point where it's just like, you know, is it really worth that type, you know, the, the, the mental side of it, you know, you, you're not playing. So, yeah, there, there was a couple of players that were, you know, pretty frustrated that they weren't getting selected. I think I was, I was in the squad every, every couple of weeks in the championship, but not getting that chance. Um, and so the, um, the call came and Nigel goes, listen, Molly, do you want to go? You can, you know, go get some game time, um, get your fitness up. Uh, you know, and I said, yeah, okay. Um, I've never been to Grimsby before. Um, and so I lived in Halifax, which is, you know, going from Halifax, because I, I, I was living in Doncaster, I moved to Halifax, my, um, my wife's from Liverpool, so it was sort of like a halfway in between Liverpool and, and, and Scunthorpe, in a way. So I was travelling every single day, like, you know, two hours a day, which is, which is not normal, you know, you shouldn't really be, be doing that and then going on and, and, and training. And I think uh, Grimsby is even further. So, um, so I was like, all right, okay, yeah, I've got to do this. You know, um, uh, I, I enjoyed it down there. Um, I think I went away, um, I think, I'm not sure if it was New Zealand break or we had a New Zealand game or, or it was just in, in January, the loan ended. And I think he wanted me back um, at Grimsby, but I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm not going back. But yeah, it was um, <clears throat> definitely different. Um, at Grimsby, we I remember one game. I think it was my debut um, at, against Shrewsbury. I've um, I've come on, um, played centre midfield, and then I think 35, 40 minutes he subbed me again. I was like, hey, what? Like, no, sorry, I, I was sub. I've I've come on, and then he he's he's brought me off. And I was like, that, like, that's not normal. That doesn't happen. And um, apparently um, all the players were saying, well, that happens. That happens a lot. He does that to um, new players all the time. So I was like, well, he, he subs them on and he subs them off. So that was kind of, that wasn't, that was the weird. And then um, we played a game on a Saturday and I think we got beat um, coming in with the score. And then Sunday we were in um, doing, uh, I think we had the beep test and then the fart, like running around the pitch as fast as we can. And like, we just paid like yesterday, everyone's knackered and then he wanted us doing sprints. And I think about two or three players got injured after that. So um, yeah, it was, it was definitely an eye-opener. Um, you know, ultimately you, you move on a, a free transfer to Port Vale. Um, you know, what were the, the reasons behind that? And, and did you really want to stay in the end? Yeah, I got um, got the call, um, and it was just listen. I can carry on doing the same thing at Scunthorpe, training, turning up, training, and not getting anywhere, or I could try and go somewhere and and get some game time and and till the end of the season. And um, you know, and that's what basically I I, I went for. And um, and fair play, yeah, nice. Said, yeah, that's fine. You can just switch the contract. Um, and that's what I ended up doing, you know. Um, like I so said, my family uh, are from Liverpool, so that was even closer um, for us as well. So um, to go to yes, you know, Stoke around Port Vale, um, massive state, massive stadium, and the training pitch is right there as well. So um, like I said, you know, again going out of my comfort zone, trying something new. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed my time. It's just unfortunate that the club was going through um, again that that that. Um, that transition, um, and we were bottom of the table, I think, or, or, or thereabouts, um, and, and then ended up getting relegated. Let's move away from club football and go back to the international. I'm sure that's a much more positive experience for you. <laughs> uh, well, we were talking about New Zealand at the start, but in 2009, uh, you represent New Zealand at the, the FIFA Confederations Cup. So what was that experience like? Oh, that's, you know, 
very fortunate to to play for New Zealand in in that sort of that that period, um, going to all, all these tournaments. Um, but yeah, in the Confederations Cup, playing against you know players you're watching on TV, so, you know some heroes and um, players are worth you know forty fifty million. Yeah, you know, we played against Spain. Um, Torres scored his quick quickest hat trick he's ever scored um, against us, which is <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. But um, <laughs> But yeah, you know, playing against these players, they're just streets ahead of where, you know, where I was, where the whole team was. Um, you know, they were thinking four or five, you know, um, passes ahead of us. They were a lot fitter. Um, and you can see why they're, they're, they're up, you know, the premiership or even, you know, one of the best players in the premiership. And I remember after that game, um, we're walking through the tunnel, and to turn right, you would go towards the uh, New Zealand, um, New Zealand, you know, changing room, or to turn left, you go through Spain. And so I thought, you know, sort of, I'm, I'm going to get a shirt. So I've walked down, I've turned left, I've walked all the way down the corridor, uh, corridor into the Spain um, changing room. As I've looked behind me, I've noticed like about six or seven other key uh, players, you know, New Zealand players, are doing the same thing, the same <laughs> thought. So. So I, I'm, I've, I've walked in there, and as I've walked in, I've just you know stopped, had a look around at certain players, and at that time, all the players are walking in, you know, the, the Kiwi players getting the shirts, boom, you know, they're being ruthless, and I'm, you know, I'm just like taking my time. I don't know why. So I've gone in, um, Ramos, can I have your shirt? No, no, sorry, I just gave it away. Alonso, no, Fabregas, no, no. So I'm asking all these players, and I'm a Liverpool fan, right? And so I've seen Abeloa, and I was like, do I really want his though? You know, like, he's, he's a Liverpool player, but I'm not a Abeloa fan. So I've gone over to him, you know, he's my, he's my last resort. I've gone over to him and said, Abeloa, can I uh, you know, swap your shirt? And he goes, no, sorry, just give it away. He's like, oh. I'm one of the first players in there. And uh, now I haven't got a shirt. So I'm, I'm walking all the way back, back you know, through, the t- through uh, where the actual tunnels are. And I've seen Fernando Torres. He's having that uh, interview. And I said to our uh, media guy, I said, listen, just, just hold up. Just hang on a second. So Fernando, he's, uh, he's stopped uh, talking and uh, he's walking towards the, you know, into the Spain. So I was like, hey, uh, Spain changed your so Hey, Fernando, uh, are we able to swap shirts? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I said, oh, I'm a massive Liverpool fan. Are you going to stay here at Liverpool? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I'm going to stay. And uh, that, I think that, that, uh, that transfer window in August, he left to go to Spain yeah. and Chelsea. <laughs> Which is crazy, you know? But, um, yeah, so anyway, walking through the changing room um, into, into, into there, again, I've took off my top. I've given it to him. His Torres shirt is right in his place. I've swapped it with him. I've, still, I've got it hang, um, hanging up here. And um, I don't know what he's done with mine. You know, he's, uh, he's probably just given it to some kit man or something. But um, anyway, so I'm walking back through. I've got his top and buzzing. I've walked into the New Zealand dressing room, and our manager's absolutely cane and everyone. Lucky enough, he hasn't seen me. So I've got my um, Spain shirt, you know, head behind my back, you know, and he's finished. He's sort of turned around to the right. As he's turned to the right, I've looked, I've ducked in there. And uh, so he hasn't known, you know, he didn't even know I was missing or anything. And then I just started chatting to one of the players. I've got his top and uh, just laughing away, you know, even though the manager's been slating everyone. So that was, uh, that was a pretty cool moment. But, um, yeah, just to see what all those players go through, um, you know, the security-wise and, and uh, and things like that, you know, it was it was pretty ruthless. You know, there was all the South African uh, officers had massive big um, guns and that, and um, the, the security that looking after us as well was was insane. But um, yeah, definitely something that I will always remember. And like I say, I've got the Torres top um, in the hallway here. It's pretty cool. So you qualify for the uh, the South Africa World Cup in 2010. Um, you know you didn't manage to progress, but you, you're due to Slovakia, Italy, and Paraguay making you know, New Zealand the only country to go undefeated. So that must have been you know quite a good experience and uh, quite a proud moment for the team. Yeah, that was massive. You know, like that group had been together for uh, around about uh, eight eight to ten years. So majority of us all knew each other. So to go through that. Um, you know that that sort of that 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 moment in history, and, and we all share together. Like like Rory Fallon's on there. I knew him since I was ten, um, and there was three other two other players from the under seventeens that I played in in '99. So we had gone through all this this journey together, 
um, and, and and to to see that you know, that team made history. Just not only that, but also the build up. Um, I scored the goal. Um, so we could qualify um, for, for that World Cup, which is pretty cool. And then um, Winston Reid, we found out Winston Reid um, is from New Zealand as well um, and, and a couple of other players as well. So we added to that group and then they just fitted in perfect. And, you know, going on to, um, you know, get, get those draws, um, fantastic. It would have been obviously even better if we um, could have beat Paraguay at the end, but, you know, they're fantastic, fantastic team. But, um yeah, it was it was pretty awesome feeling um, that a team would go down in history, and um, it was it managed to be the the New Zealand team as well. But um, definitely something that we all we still all speak about now. We're in a group together, so we're trying to work out uh, how to how to come together, how to have a reunion. But um, it's definitely something that gets talked about a lot over here. Um, but yeah, it's uh, that, that sort of that togetherness um, as a group was um, was uh, something that I've never really sort of been involved before. Playing for your country is totally different than playing for the for the club with that togetherness because, you know, obviously with New Zealand, all New Zealanders have all gone through that sort of same pathway. So everyone's sort of humble, down to worth. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a cool moment for New Zealand. Do you have a, a most memorable game uh, for New Zealand across your career with them? Um... There's probably the one that I, I always I talk about. We um, New Zealand beat Georgia. Um, I think it was three three one over in Georgia, and it became the first. Um, I think I, I set up two of the goals. Uh, we were the first sort of New Zealand team to to beat a European team on European soil. So um, that was a pretty big moment. So um, for, for myself and and for for some of the players, but um, and also scoring. Um, my, my first goal as well, but um, probably that Georgia one. Um, they had a couple of players that um, played for AC Milan as well, so that you know that they were a decent team back then. Well, I think we're just going to move into general now after you know, covering your international career. Um, <clears throat> you've since moved into into coaching with the East Coast Bays. You know, how how's that experience been for you? Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's different. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, you know, a lot of players in the UK, it's it's you know their dream um, to play football. Uh, whether it's you know, and they take it serious. Whether it's you know, it's it's youth or, or senior or even Sunday league. You know, there's a lot of players that really do take it serious. But here, it's sort of in that still amateur amateur um, sort of phase, um, you get some really good players, um, and then you get some um, players that are not quite there yet. Um, so and it, it's just hard to sort of juggle um, those those types of players, and um, you know I'm I'm used to every, you know in training you're giving you everything, giving you everything oil. If you don't, at least your attitude's good. Um, but here it's it's, it's very laxy days. It's very sort of chilled out vibe. Um, so you have to sort of uh, your expectations have to drop drop up, up a whole lot. But um, it's definitely an experience, um, a learning curve um, dealing with players. Um, it, when they're not playing, so I, I tried to take what I've, you know, from all my other managers and and try and be honest um, and and and, and you know, communicate, um, you know, if something's going wrong or, or or if they're doing well as well to praise them too. So um, it's, it's it's definitely a learning curve, but it's something that I, I'm enjoying. Um, yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just trying to help trying to help the the Kiwis. Or the, or the next key we sort of go on and, and to have a football career or have a um, some part of, of life in football. Um, it's very limited here uh, in, in terms of that you know, respect. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's one that I, I'm enjoying. But, um, yeah, let's see, see where it goes in the next couple of years. Uh, throughout your playing career, I think you're often described as a bit of a versatility player. And obviously for Scunthorpe, you played predominantly at right back, but you've also played in midfield. Uh, do you, in your mind, what's your uh, preferred position? Yeah, I, I, I've, I've got sort of two positions that I really do like. I like um, that sort of defensive midfield side. Um, you know, growing up, you know, some of my, my, my favorite players, um, you know, Edgar Davids was, was certainly one, one a player who gets gets stuck in and gets around the pitch. Um, Jeremy Ridnow as well, you know, with his passing and and also um David Batty as well. He just, you know, 
um, he's a small little character, but he gets stuck in. So I always sort of saw myself as that, you know, when I get older, that's my, my position. But I also loved um, on the right, right midfield, whipping in crosses. Um, you know, you watching the print, you're watching David Beckham, you're watching how he can, how he crosses the ball. So they're probably two positions that were my favourite, set mid and also um, right midfield. But um, yeah, it's just the, I remember back when I was playing for Barnsley, uh, a coach, Mark Smith, used to play for Sheffield Wednesday, said, Molly, do you want to play um, right back uh, for the under-19s? I was like, yeah, okay, cool. So, and then that's how it started because um, I love going forward. I love tackling, and I'd get a lot of um, a lot of lot of the ball as well. So it was I had never played there before until I was like nineteen, eighteen, nineteen. But um, but centre mid and right mid are probably my two favourite positions. Yeah, we did promise a little bit earlier in in the podcast that we were we're going to hear a couple of stories from you, uh, Dave. So um, if you if, what's your favourite story when you were at Scunthorpe? You know, um, other than uh, kind of. Climbing out of a, a ditch car with Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, just just you seeing those those characters around. The Billy Shaw was he was so he was funny as, as anything. Um, just he was had so much energy. It was unbelievable. And, you know, he's still going now. But um, and obviously, yeah, that the, the cast the cast story that's gone down in history. Um, and the Neil McKenzie one as well, where he's running down the the side of the bus. But um, yeah, like you know, there's stories that are as funny as anything. Um, you get plays. Um, you know, there's probably a, a heap more of, a, of a other stories. My mind's sort of gone gone blank of because um, it was such a long time ago. But they're the, the sort of really ones that really stick out with me um, with the Marcus one and, and, and Neil McKenzie. But just having you know that, those characters where every single day you're turning up the train, you're just laughing. Uh, you know what they're going through. I, I remember Jermaine Beckford. Um, he turned up training, and um, we were like, "Who is this guy?" Like, but in a bad way. It was like, "What? Like, what is this guy? Like, is he even a player?" Um, and obviously, we we turned. You know, look what how he turned out. I remember it was it was in, it was in the first training session, and um, and I think he had, he had left, and the players like. Who have we brought in? Like, who is this guy? Like, like taking the piss, you know? Um, and then I think that first game, or the, the one where he's just chopped it back against Tramner, I think, and he's, he's left foot in the top corner. And everyone's just like, wow, like, he might not be the best trainer, but he's certainly one of the best players. And um, yeah, I remember that's, you know, when he, his first day at training was, was like, it couldn't have gone any worse. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but um, he was he was one, probably one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Um, yeah, but yeah, just remember remember that that first day. It was, he had a bad day. <laughs> uh, so in in recent times, uh, Scunthorpe's had fellow New Zealander Clayton Lewis uh, with us, yeah. and I've seen I've seen uh, the pair of you interacting on on Twitter and things like that uh now it didn't it didn't work out with clayton at, at scunthorpe but you've spoken quite highly of him in the past so what were your impressions of of that particular situation yeah it was um <clears throat> it was definitely um I, I didn't sort of see that coming on i know you know when you're not playing you sort of you know your, your morale goes down your attitude as well maybe even your fitness as well and i think that's potentially what happened with clayton wasn't really playing, wasn't getting the chance, um, changing manager as well. Technically, he's very good. You know, he can play in a, a, a couple of positions as well. But he, <clears throat> he's with also like a lot of Kiwis. Um, it's very much a, a confidence. Um, it, a lot of players lack confidence um, over here. So it's just, you know, he probably needed that, that guidance. You know, he's away from home as well. Um, that plays a, a massive, massive factor as well. So, um, he is a good player. I'm sure he will bounce back um, and, and then go on. But um, I think he was struggling at, at that time, um, not being given the opportunities that um, he thought he he would have would have had. But um, yeah, surprised surprised that you know he he chose to come back when I think he still had another year or uh, till till the end of the season. Um, he's he's a he's a good kid. He's, he's humble. Um, he listens as well. And he just still wants to get back out there. But sometimes when you have been given that chance, 
um, you've got to stay there and you've got to grind it out. Um, just unfortunate that he, he's back here, but I'm, I'm hoping that he does uh, pick pick a club, pick somewhere up, and and, and then um, yeah, go off to to another club. But yeah, I, I, I was a fan of his, still am. But like I say, I hope he um, can move on from that. So we've just just got one more question for you, then, David. So uh, yeah, what was your favourite moment as a Scunthorpe United player? Yeah, it's just probably being in that team, that team, you know, of of, um, of, of Billy Sharp, Keogh, um, Beckford, uh, Williams, Sparrow, uh, Murphy, even at the back, you know, it's, it's a, it, you know, and Billy's still playing now. So, it's, you know, it's pretty close cool out. I play with a, a premiership player, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, it's, you always want to play with the best and, and he certainly is one of the best. But um, probably the, the, the free kicks, the, the two goals I scored, but probably the best moment or the best game I, I still remember is down in Gillingham. Uh, we played them. Uh, I'm not sure what score it was, but I think I put in about, about 20 crosses. Probably one of the best games I, I've had for a long time. Um, I think I set up Billy or, or Kia for, for a couple of goals. So that was the best probably game I've, I've had. I, I, was lo- I was loving life then. But uh, best moment, like I say, even though I wasn't really on the pitch, is when we got promoted. Um, you know, seeing everyone celebrate um, the players, but also the fans as well, and and what it means um, for for their for their team to to get promoted, um, it, it was fantastic. And obviously, you know, it's not always hard. Uh, sorry, easy when the the manager Brian Lewis left, and, and then Nige Nige came in. And fair credit to Nige, he just kept it flowing. Like say, if he could have changed things, and it could have made it even worse. But um, he. he you know, he thought, okay, well, the team's doing well already. I might just leave it the same and just add a little fruit, you know, little couple of things of my own and then next year really um, add to it. But, um, yeah, love my time there, um, as I have done at all my other clubs. And just very grateful that, you know, I'm able to have a, um, an opportunity or, or a career in football, uh, which some people, um, especially in Zion, um, don't, don't, don't have. Um, that opportunity so um, yeah it's, it's, it's been, a, been a journey and you know I loved every minute of it and uh, as Matt said I think that is a good place to end there so uh, this is it's been really interesting for us this one so uh, Dave thank you so much for doing this cool no no thank you and uh, I'll, I'll finish my coffee and uh, I'll let you guys get back I to bed say, yeah, thanks for getting up that's, uh, <laughs> that's uh, above and beyond <laughs> uh, so cheers David and thank you everybody for listening to this and we'll see you on the next in conversation Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 